Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Hello, Spiritual Boss Podcast listeners. This is Melanie here today. I'm here alone. So I have uh, made myself some notes. It's funny because um, Tanya and I actually have been doing this. I think this is our fourth season. I know this is our fourth season. And it still hasn't gotten any better, (laughs) my introductions. And uh, not having Tanya here to uh, harness my... um, I consider my mind one that goes in all directions, like all the time. And sometimes I have a hard time finding my way back. And that's actually a story I might uh, loop back to here. Let's, you know what, email me if I forget. (laughs) That's, that's a way we'll increase our, um, we'll increase our engagement with everybody because we do love to talk to you guys. But uh, yeah, email me in where I've trailed off and forgotten to go back to something if it is uh, something that you want to touch on and something that you're curious about. I wanted to talk to you guys today about how to meditate because I think that it's just getting out of hand. Like the way that we have to, um, you know, make everything down to like a a science or everything has to be done a certain way, it really is very different for all of us. So this particular method that I'm going to teach you today, or actually I'm not going to teach you anything, your body already knows, but I'm going to make you aware of what's happening. Um, I'm going to just share with you the one way that I do it. It's the way that I do it every single day. I was like um, trying to think of something a little bit more fancy to give you guys, but it's just, it's, it's just not strategy or, or steps. Um, and this is one that I think that if you incorporate it into your daily life, you'd see, uh, if you didn't see transformation, you'd understand why. If you saw transformation, it's because you're healing. But there isn't, that's not to say that everyone chooses to do the work once they see. So if you are uh, not healing, then you just at least know why. And, you know, I'm here for it. I'm here for however long it takes you to get there. You are the only one who knows, as am I. And um, I uh, firmly believe that we came here, what we talk about is from healing is like the reparation of those deep wounds that prevent us from being our full, true selves. It doesn't mean that we don't have scars. It doesn't mean that we w- that we won't go through any more pain, but it means that we've resolved what we have been through so that we can fully embody the human experience that we're here for, which is the full range of emotion. Anyways, back to meditation. <laughs> I titled this, I made, like, obviously, I told you guys I made notes. It's called How to Meditate and Why You Should. So that may be the podcast title, but I might change my mind as well. So it says, if we start with the benefits of meditation, it might be more appealing to most of us who are programmed to believe that focusing on ourselves, on our health, on our joy, is a form of narcissism, or when I was young, we like to call it um, that person self-centered or conceited. Those were my favorite terms as a teenager um, to talk about people who paid attention to themselves. So your whole life has been um, 
paying attention to others. And um, if you were caught looking in the mirror, I, at least I'll speak from personal experience, so don't attack me if it's not yours, but um, from personal experience, when I was growing up, if I was caught looking in the mirror, there was some sense of shame attached to that. Like, oh my God, I was caught being vain. Oh, that's another one too. The, um, you remember the song, You're So Vain? Oh, I loved that one. Um, but again, it's like, I think that song's maybe about a guy who wasn't that nice, but, uh, yeah, don't be vain was the, you didn't want that associated to you. So we've been programmed subconsciously to always look outside of ourselves, to always be invested in others. And so that can make meditation feel a little disconnected from ourselves is like, oh yeah, the people... And listen to yourself too, if this is a belief system that you have, is the people who have time to meditate are lazy or they don't care about um, production or um, they're just people with all the time in the world. Like when you think about it, what is the thought that comes up for you around meditators if you aren't one already? If you are one, you probably know that um, we have the same minutes, same hours in every day as everyone else. But when you meditate, it's like you can expand time. Um, these words of narcissism and uh, vain and conceited and self-centeredness, um, these are words that we prime ourselves and uh, pride ourselves with um, throwing them around like we're some kind of modern day psychologist. And I'm guilty of it, honestly. We um, are so fond of these words is because that we have been brought up to believe that we are uh, in some way powerless. So if we can label someone as like who seems in their power as a bad word, and you may not know that you're doing this, um, but if we see someone that has the power over their life and control over their life that we would like or deeply desire or in some way shame ourselves out of, we'll make a belief system and store it to support that. And that belief system will show up in every avenue of our lives. And th that's where meditation, I think, can be so healing is that you become aware. If you meditate, you will see that this is happening all around you. That what is happening within you is what's happening all around you. It's happening inside you first. And that can feel really weird to hear. And again, there may be that belief system. Oh yeah. You think that I made this happen or, oh yeah, you think that I can do that or I'm the creator of this. And in no way am I saying that you are deserving of your experiences or what is happening around you, but there is, and I actually don't even want to speak to that because I, I don't want to choose my words. Um, I do. I just want this to be a podcast. So this is not meant to be minimizing in any way. I'm speaking to just um, the basics. Like, so let's stick to the surface. <laughs> Every time I speak on this, I am so deathly afraid of being canceled. I add all these caveats and I'm just witnessing myself right now. And I actually don't like it. I don't, I want to stop doing that. Um, what this really means is that when it's happening internally and it's reflecting what's happening, uh, the externals reflecting what's happening internally, 
it means that when you pay attention to what is happening within you internally, that you have the ability to change what's happening externally. When you change how you've been programmed to act, you can change the outcome of every situation you place in front of it. And now that may not mean that the outcome is going to be one that is always going your way, but it means that you always hold the power of choice. And I know you've heard this a million times and you probably rolled your eyes, is that you have choice within you always, the choice how you respond or you react. And if you're someone who's very disconnected from yourself, very heavily focused on the external, I would bet with 99% surety that you react 100% of the time. If you aren't paying attention to yourself in any sort of way, you are completely operating from programming. Let that sink with you for a moment. Do I do this? Am I someone who spends even five minutes of my day checking in with myself and saying, you know, how do I feel physically? What's going on with me emotionally? What am I feeling? How many thoughts am I having? What kind of thoughts am I thinking? Those are just simple things that if you took a few moments, up to five minutes, when you go to the washroom to check in with, you're beginning to build a meditative practice right there with that one little check-in. And this was spontaneous. This isn't, this is not what I had planned. So I've got to get back to my list. But with that quick little check-in, how am I feeling physically? This could be any physical aches or pains. How am I feeling energetically? I think I missed that in the last one. Is my energy a lot or am I more of a introspective today or am I feeling a lot of energy and want to be externalized today? Where are my emotions? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? If you've been not paying attention to yourself, start. If you've been not paying attention to yourself and you've been reacting, you've been reacting all of your life, you have been programmed with a detailed set of instructions for every situation that your nervous system perceives something familiar from within it. And the nervous system doesn't need details like names, locations. All it needs is a specific feeling or it's an external sense that triggers a feeling. So it could be that you they have the same hairline as someone that you don't like, or a tone of voice of something that you don't like, or there's a smell attached to something that you don't like. All of the senses play a role in this. This is then stored into your programming boxes. Ooh, I like this, or no, that one is a no for me. So it goes into yes, no, good, bad. That's how it's stored. Once you have that programming stored, if you're not paying attention, like um, uh, I use this often when I guide the, the practice of yoga nidra is there is very often because it's a physical practice, 
that uh, systematically releases tension from the body. When the body is that soft, the mind goes into uh, a place of observation and sometimes the uh, practitioner, the student, will just follow an object out and then end up in a deep sleep state. When that happens, and even if they are not, if they still are physically or, or consciously aware of what's going on inside the room, if the body drops into such a state of relaxation that the student begins to snore, a lot of teachers will walk the room and squeeze an ankle or wrist. And I've definitely done this in the early stages, um, trying to morph the student's experience into something other than what it presently is. Or the uh, teacher will continually cue something like you're practicing yoga nidra, do not fall asleep, or um, staying aware, which I do do, but not overly in trying to cultivate an experience. Anyways, there's a difference. I'm telling myself this right now. Um, but instead of trying to curate the student's experience outside of what's presently happening, I like to ask the students to go deeper into it or go to the center of it. So if it's a specific sound that is agitating them, bringing up the story that, oh, this isn't working, it's this person's fault why I can't relax, it's this person's fault why I can't see, instead of going into the story attached to the snoring, go into the observation of it. If you did not know if you had no recollection in your memory, your programming, that this snore was meant to be agitation, it went in the bad pile. If you did not formerly assign a pile to this sound, and you could just simply set back, step back, and experience it as though it was the first time and you had no idea where it came from, you would not know that there was a human attached to it. You would not know that this was a preference that meant it kept you away from sleep. There are so many different beliefs stored around the simple sound of a snore. When you step back, the body responds in a way that it accepts all completely as it is. It could even be as simple as someone's tone of voice, and this has happened to me, and it happens all the time. Um, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that it can be a real trigger for some people. If someone's tone of voice reminds you of someone that you had a bad experience with, you'll immediately associate that person to the other person. And if, God willing, you are given the opportunity to interact or be forced to interact with that person, let's say it's a work environment and you are put on the same team, or you, in some way you have to partner and share resources like adults, <laughs> and you really get to know this person. And after a while, you realize that, wow, this person... And you're, and you're quite surprised, right, at this time. You're like, wow, this is a really good person, despite that tone of voice. And so it's like 
they've, they've overcome an obstacle for you in your mind. And the only way that that happened is that you were forced outside of your will because your ego was saying, get away from this person. But because you did not have control, you were forced to be in um, proximity and in relationship with this person long enough to develop a new program that allowed this person to exist in your world despite their tone of voice. There was an exception granted. And so you can see that if this exception can be granted to this one person by just being exposed, what could happen if you in that moment said, ooh, I'm having a visceral reaction to this person. I really don't like them or I really don't like the vibe of this place or um, maybe even, oh, I don't like that name. What past associations do you have to it? And, and to be able to step back and become observer of that. This is where we're going with meditation. I got way off track here. But when you're able to step back and become aware of those feelings, once you do that, you have fully entered the land of meditation. This is, this is where I think that people just assume when we say that we're meditating, and, and I don't know if other people do this, but I assume they do because time. <laughs> but um, when we're in meditation, it may even be while we're doing our chores. Uh, something, uh, we follow a, a, a thought or experience with our mind and we become entrenched in it once again. When that happens, you could be vacuuming, you could be weightlifting. It depends on when your body is doing something rhythmic, something familiar, if you're not in a learning state. When you're doing something familiar, you can easily be pulled into past experiences. When you are pulled into experiences where you become aware that you're thinking, and I know that this is happening for you. I know that this is happening for you. In, in, there's just no way it's not. Become aware. Think to a time when you were like, wow, that was a really great idea I just had. And I have no clue where it came from. That was you in your observer body. That was you in this state of uh, no time, no space, which we call meditation. When you were out of your thinking brain, your thinking mind, and you went into kind of like your body mind, you had the ability to see what you were thinking. And I know for me, when I'm driving, like so much of it is meditative state. When I am running, well, this is not true as of late, but when I was, when I was actively running, the things that I could see clearly, that's what we call clarity. When you have clarity, it's that you see your thoughts, right? You can see them. When you move into that state, you are there. You just took the seat of observer. You just took the seat of witness. From that seat, you can start to explore. What is it that I'm thinking about this? Let's go to this person has... Um, a perm and you had a bad experience with a guy that had a mullet and a perm when you were 12, 13 years old. This, this man clearly has a perm. Immediately we associate to a past experience. When you're doing that, if you're just like, 
oh, I'm having a strong reaction to a perfect stranger. I have no idea who this person is. The moment that you have a strong reaction, you can intercept it and then um, heal in that space. Why am I feeling this way? It'll take you back to that time when you were a child. It'll take you back to being 13 and um, not liking the mullet guy with the perm. You will have the source for your preference and then you can apply it to the specific situation. Is this true now? Is this person the same person? No. And that's how we use like the householder's version of meditation to heal is that if I become aware of what I'm thinking, if I become aware of what I'm feeling and I develop a relationship with this um, aspect of myself, awareness, the witness, the observer, that I have the opportunity to become uh, like an on-call sort of uh, counselor or whatever, you become the one um, seeing your story. You become the one ex- like being able to watch your story without the experience of being in it, without the attachment to it. In summary, that went a little far. <laughs> I really wanted this to be a short one, like 10 minutes, but now we're at 20. So anyways, I'm going to summarize this with how to meditate. And there are many paths. This is just one. Meditation begins in the body. You can be doing something familiar like vacuuming, driving, reading, working out, running, walking. All the things that you do regularly initiate meditation. They're familiar. You're not thinking. The difference is you're not learning. If, uh, if it's something new, you're learning. If it's something familiar, you kind of go into that um, softer state of consciousness where you're not really paying attention. When you do this, your body relaxes into a state of homeostasis or relaxation. And relaxation will not look the same to everybody. It won't always look like um, you laying on a bed with your eyes closed. There are some people who are quite relaxed that are holding a long ass yoga pose with sweat dripping off their nose while their legs shake from underneath them or they're bench pressing this could look like a state of relaxation for these people this state depends on what you're doing when you're thinking most clearly um when you can yeah that clarity of thoughts when i'm aware that i'm thinking this is where i can become aware of my thoughts It's like, oh, I am thinking a lot of thoughts all of a sudden, and we are all the time. But when you stop and listen, become aware of the thoughts, that's the observer. That's the witness. They just step in and show you what it's like to watch your own thoughts. When you notice your own thoughts, you can become aware. And when you become aware of your thoughts, then you become the observer. So it starts with, oh, I'm thinking. Awareness of thoughts, automatically, boom, you're the observer, you're the witness. When you are the observer or the witness, you're able to see everything because the observer doesn't have a bias like your ego self. It's not trying to keep you safe from past stories and experiences because it doesn't have the wound or reaction attached to any of it, including the emotion. 
I'll try to explain to you how this works for me. And I know I've touched on it multiple times throughout this, but I always like to rephrase things for different kinds of learners. It's not like the kind of observation that is completely translucent. It's not without any depth and um, it's not without any feeling, but it's more in the way that it is simply experienced. Um, experienced as an experience with no attachment to this is good or this is bad. So all of those preference that you stored, the observer's just seeing them, but not reacting to them. It watches and then watches where your mind goes as it follows it. So it's there for the whole loop where usually we just see it and then we don't know why we react the way we do. It may be when you become the observer that it takes you back to a visual of a past experience or a sound or a song, a smell, a taste. I don't know how to say it's going to show up for you, but I know it always shows up to make me aware of what I'm reacting to. The story always comes if you give it space to let it. I don't know how but usually I'll get a visual. I don't know what that looks like for you. When we are able to see this story, we aren't blocking with our ego self, then this is where um, the gold is inside of meditation. I guess this is kind of like um, right before, like, oh, if you were to like rate the levels of meditation, <laughs> which sounds so gross, but that's what this world is turning into. Um, this would be like eight uh, out of a scale of 10 and then nine, 10 would be um, just total abs absorption into the bliss body, um, collective consciousness. So this is like the on a, a like human level, this is what we need. This is our medicine to heal what's happening inside of us, um, I believe. Some days... <laughs> And this is the this is the fun part about meditation is it's kind of like a gamble. You don't know what you're going to get. So maybe you do it a lot of times, like take these times throughout the day. But some days you're or, and some maybe for five days straight or a string of 10 days. And I do go in these long slumps where I get nothing. And I am like, this is it. I've been cut off from the well. I don't get to see anymore. I, it's all dried up. And then right when I'm about to think, like I'm probably about day two of thinking that, then all of a sudden the well fills up and I'm, I'm having gold meditations again. But uh, it's not to say that you won't have a string of practices where all you see are your frustrations and you can't detach from them or all you see is your grocery list or your to-do list. Those days happen and... Um, I think that I always am like, okay, there's something blocking me here. Like something, maybe I've just done too much learning. Maybe I'm still integrating that past experience that I saw. Like, I don't really question it. I'm kind of more doing that for you guys. I just trust that. Well, until day two before <laughs> the well fills up again, I mostly just trust that, um, I'm experiencing exactly what I need to be experiencing. To sum this up, <laughs> do something familiar until you hit the spot where you notice what you're thinking. Um, 
once you notice that you're thinking or how much you're thinking, you've now become the observer. It's as simple as that. This is the goal of meditation is to observe and to become aware. And once you fall so deeply into awareness, that's where you kind of lose the boundaries and edges of your body eventually to go into that full state of uh, dharna. And then into dhyana, where we dissipate, like the physical self becomes energy in a universe filled with energy. Um, Yeah, I don't know how else to explain that in a short period of time. Watch without expectation, because when expectation is present, um, you know that your ego mind is present and you're just seeing your biases and your stories. So watching just with pure curiosity what is coming. Um, Really become fascinated by the observer. Assume, maybe, just for once in your life, (laughs) that the observer knows more than you and is showing you around because it does. (laughs) It really does. It knows everything about you and more than you think you do about yourself. So give in to uh, a little bit of curiosity when you meditate. Don't try to be following or changing your experience. It really is just sinking into the acceptance of watching what is. And I think that on that note, we are all closed up. Um, There's so much more that I could talk about here, but I really wanted to make this under 20 minutes, but here we are 10 minutes later. Um, I will add on that it is easy for me to drop into that state of observation because of my devotion and practice to Yoga Nidra. If you struggle with meditating and you want a practice to guide you into um, being able to even see a technique like what I talked about today, if it's that far off for you, um, Yoga Nidra is a really beautiful practice being recognized scientifically across the board. I don't really care about that stuff, so I'm not going to cite a bunch of stuff to you. I know that it works and um, it's something that I've been working with for many years and I attribute all of um, my channel to source, the um, healing that I've done even with my rage and anger um, to the place where it is right now. Uh, It is all due in in, um, large part, if not all parts to Yoga Nidra. Um, Selfishly, And uh, purposefully, (laughs) because I love it so much, I teach this practice and I teach it in a training called the portal from asleep to aware, which essentially means that we are functioning robots that haven't really tapped into our full human potential. And inside of this, I teach how to guide the practice and I teach how to live within the practice in your daily life. If it's something that interests you, I run it one or two times a year and you can check my website at Melanie. Oh, let's start. Um, www.melaniedonyoga.com. And there is a heading um, for the portal and you can check events to see if there is one, one running near you. I do have one coming up this March and there is the path of the student and the path of the teacher. In the student, we spend two full weekends together. And if you look at the price, (laughs) um, I honestly, like, 
this is golden stuff. And if you're someone who's fretting about the price, what you receive back in value is just far beyond anything that um, you're investing in monetarily. This can and will change your life um, and even your views around money if you let it and you are a devotee. And if you are pursuing the path of the teacher, um, this means that you will be certified to guide Yoga Nidra. And that's not to say that you can't guide a Yoga Nidra practice without certification, but um, I know how important it is, especially from a goal setting standpoint and intention to really become a student and learn. Um, I would love to teach you if this is your path. And thank you all for listening and being here with me on my solo uh episode of the spiritual boss podcast you can send us feedback at uh let's do it on instagram because i can't even remember our email you can find us on instagram at spiritual boss podcast you can find me on instagram at the melanie dawn and as always peace in peace out